I'm Michael Holly, and you're listening to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. I am Adam Motenko. With me, as always, my twin brother, Josh Motenko. Wait, hang on. I'm slowing down Romeo Langford's three-point. Yep, there it is. Game winner. Okay, I'm ready to go. Let's do this. And our good friend, Mike Minkoff. I'm going to be chucking takes out here like Carson Edwards in Summer League. Let's go, gentlemen. Oh, my God. Let's talk about Summer League. Let's uh, hit the offseason also, uh, just since we're further along into it, we have more data to form a conclusion and we'll talk about Marcus Smart whether that he's going to sign that extension or not how we feel about that and this rumored interest in Dennis Schroeder we are one game into the summer league Mike let's start with you what overreactions do you have from the first game I have many overreactions uh first and foremost Yam Madar is clearly better than Carson Edwards at the NBA level already easily Josh uh I don't uh, I don't know how you live with yourself in your, I think, still sustained defense of Carson Edwards and his NBA prospects. But uh, Yam Madar at, like, showed some legit defensive prowess, uh, legit playmaking. Um, he needs to gain probably 65 pounds. <laughs> but uh, Are you looking he, for a John Bagley body on him? I, I think if he gained 65, <laughs> he'd just like, look like a normal NBA player. Um no, he, I mean, he's Kemba he, Walker look, he, right he, now, guys. There's, there's he's, only he's Kemba Walker right now. <laughs> there's only so good he'll, he'll end up being in all likelihood. He, he's pretty small. He's pretty undersized, but he was fun to watch. Um, Carson Edwards still does not look like an NBA player uh, in all seriousness. Um, wait, wait, wait. Let's go our, one at our, a time, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, oh, we're just doing one. Okay, then Yam. Yam Let me respond to life. Yam Adar. Okay. Yeah. He, he, the, the teardrop floater was looking good. The finishing ability, you know, might be better than Kemba Walker right now. Um, but it's funny, like how we got rid of a guy who was supposed to be just an offensive point guard. And we kind of got a guy who's supposed to be just an offensive point guard, similar type. Are you okay? I thought Um, you were kidding when you were talking about the Kemba comparison, (laughs) but you're just coming in strong. You're, you're standing on this is when we. This is when we overreact to Summer League, right? This is the portion of the show where we overreact. Tongue in cheek. Go big. uh, Why stop at Kemba? Let's go, Steph. I feel like (laughs) it's really. I feel like when. (laughs) I feel like when you when you're all about like your offensive game and you're the flashiest player ever to come out of your country, like the cojones that this kid has is like impressive to me. Like that's his skill set right now. It's finishing ability, like being able to distribute a little bit. And, and balls, just the cojones to be able to, like, try to get your shot off, like, when you need to. Obviously, it's summer league, but I feel like that's in his game. That's that's what I saw from, from some of the, the brief stints that I saw him play in, in Israel. But, uh, yeah. He looked as good. He looked as, as good in this game as he did on tape from the last season in Israel. Super confident, skilled offensively. He's not bad defensively. He's he's fighting through screens. He's hustling. He's got some some uh, intensity on defense that I like. And I agree that he needs to put on some weight, but he's not tiny. He's he's like he looks like he's six one six two easily out there. Yeah, but he's really slight. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, it, the other thing with his defense, he, he was just, he had really, really good kind of defensive awareness and positioning and had a couple of nice, like, blind side poke-ins um, and rips, uh, creating some kind of defensive havoc. So uh, his basketball IQ uh, bo- on both sides of the court looked look pretty, pretty good. Um, so that that is definitely overreaction number one. Yeah, I mean, we're not, not expecting him to play a lot of minutes for this New team, starting right? South yeah. point guard, uh, Yam Madar. <laughs> And Mike, the, you said uh, Carson Edwards, like Carson Edwards in Summer League. I feel like that quote is still going to be relevant in like 10 years. That one's going to hold up strong. Like we'll always be able to say just like Carson Edwards in Summer League. Carson Edwards, who if you look at just the counting stats, I think he had like 28 and 7, like 20 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. Uh, went a nice, crisp 6 for 17, if I'm remembering correctly. So, you know, You're looking he was at in stats? true... 
absolutely, absolutely. Stats don't lie. Is Carson uh, Edwards? I feel like there should be a, there should be a rule that you that the summer league is only for the eye test. Like they shouldn't even keep stats in the summer league. Carson's just in the way, right? He's just blocking other players at this point, in, even in I, summer league. I, I believe this is his last chance to make the roster. I, I think there's like, ba- ba- just based on some chat, I was listening to just a, a, a bit of the Celtics Talk podcast hosted by Chris Forsberg um, and Brian Robb from Mass Live was on it and they were chatting and, and they seem to suggest that like Yamadar didn't get more playing time at the end of regulation or at the end of the summer league game because there were some guys with quote-unquote guaranteed contracts yep. that were basically getting a last look and I think that was direct reference to Carson Edwards. Um, yeah, well, when I, you're think, the I think blocking, guy Carson blocking guys Edwards is that's a good good ring to it. When you're the third guy out there on the court uh, under six feet tall and you're not option number one or two as a ball handler, something's wrong. I like. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to win that we, bet, Josh. Oh, my God. I forgot there was a bet might, about Carson. You might. See, that's one of the bets that's, that won't come out until he's done with his career, right? So Yeah, you're going to have to watch him go overseas way. and then bounce around in who knows where. He'd be gr- Carson Edwards would be great in China. He'd kill it. Though. Don't you think that Carson Edwards is the type of guy who who's just really kind of missing focus? And if he did actually get get sent to another country, uh, that that might be a wake up call for him to like really no, focus up and grind no. to get back. The, I think he's missing yeah. like the actual like type of athleticism and mobility required to succeed as an NBA player at the size he's at. Like yeah. I literally, I just don't think he has like the lateral agility to be successful. He's like the, just because of the way he's built with NBA athleticism. I, I just, from day one, it never looked like he had the speed or, or agility to kind of positionally stay in defense offensively to kind of navigate as a ball handler and get into positions. And then, then he also doesn't make great reads. I think he get better at, at reads and stuff like that, but I just don't think he's got the right athleticism at, for his size to succeed in the NBA. Who do you want to talk about next, Mike? Um, next let's go with, let's go with a game, game winner, Romeo, Romeo, um, who looked fine. (laughs) I don't don't even have an overreaction. His shooting stroke looked a lot smoother. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the overreaction. He's going to, he's going to shoot 36% from three this year. Yeah. He, right. He will exceed (laughs) league average by a margin, a fraction of a percent. Um, he, you know, they put, him on the, they put him on the ball a lot. He made some good plays. Uh, he made some not so good plays. Uh, but it's just nice to see him playing and healthy and not injured. So I'll, I'll, I'll overreact to that. How, how do you feel about his handle or lack thereof still? Like he's supposed to be driving and he keeps getting pushed off the line, as I know Adam Taylor likes to talk a lot about. He's like Adam said on the, the podcast, the, the last uh, one that came out Monday, uh, this guy's supposed to be a slasher, and he can't slash. Well, slashing doesn't require holding the line because slashing, right? I mean, slashing and, and dribble driving. Doing that. Normally, I mean, you're doing that off ball. Dribble drive. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I still don't know how to evaluate Romeo. Like he's played like what ten NBA games? It feels like. Um, Josh he hasn't had a chance. This is his first off season, so I'm just excited that he ha- he's had one. Josh, you you started the uh, Romeo Linkford is going to be an All Star conversation like a year and a half ago how do you feel at this point yeah i think the cut right now is looking smooth he, the, the hair right now is all-star oh, that, that's, that's right now that's the only <laughs> that's the only uh, all-star quality he has at this point in time um i think he has yet to show uh but like mike said he, he really hasn't, hasn't seen much of him um i think this is obviously a year that when it's really going to matter if we're not resigning fournier this guy's got to show up <laughs> Hate to break it to you, Josh. We are not resigning Fournier. That news is in. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's time for Romeo to step up. This is the year that's going to kind of make it or break it for for his trajectory. All right, and uh, he's especially because he's a different kind of player than than Aaron Neesmith. Um, but he's, I mean, he's playing with three point guards out there, and so he's playing the four or the five. I mean, we're playing two wings and three point guards. Yeah, so I... <laughs> it's, it's tough to evaluate. 
I said this. I said this on the Slack, but whoever put together the Celtics summer league roster like got to the the five man, the bigs, and just like fell asleep at the wheel. They just forgot. They're like, oh crap, <laughs> got, we need some big men. Uh, I don't remember the name of the guy who started the game. Um, he played four extraordinarily unforgettable uh, minutes, at least from a name perspective. I remember just how terrible they were. Um, he he was one of the more slow footed players I've ever seen, including in Summer League. Um, and then they had another backup big who was also terrible. They ended up, as you were saying, <laughs> Josh, just ditching yeah. big men altogether and able to kind of start scoring points. Yeah. But so, the one thing about Summer League I think that's cool with this team is you get when you trot out a lineup like that and you have to play a different way because of it, Like we're getting a completely different style of play from our Summer League team that we will from our regular season team. I mean, the fact that we're just chucking up threes off of dribble drives because we're all tiny. I mean, that's, that's the offense. That is exactly how we've played during the regular season for like the last four years. No, not at the rate that we're shooting threes with this and not, and not because we have to, because we're so tiny. I mean, it, it reminded me of starting the JV team at Lamar community college, uh, for men's basketball. We had, Seven guys under five nine on our first year ever with that program. That's what this summer league team for the Celtics reminds me of. So coming back to Romeo, he's it's his third year. Third year players are supposed to dominate summer league. We got four more games. He hasn't shown that yet. Uh, the fact that he hasn't had an off season until this year. What are you putting more weight on? Are you giving him leeway, Josh, or are you uh, expecting him to dominate? <laughs> to dominate yeah he should uh, look think, he's he's proven he can defend at a high level in the nba and there were points in that game where he completely lost his man well i i think that he's too many people in too many places right now talk about someone as being a good defender when they're really not but they're athletic enough to guard the point of attack that's what people see when they look at a good defender i mean this is a league where mark gasol won defensive player of the league uh, of the year and he's he's one of the slowest players in the league so you really need to be able to defend off the ball and i think most people in the media and around the game right now need to put more emphasis on being able to to defend off the ball um, and to use the basketball iq on defense when they're evaluating whether someone's a good defender or not so any young athlete that can guard the point of attack is like oh he's a good defender you know look how long he is look how active he is like Romeo, I don't think that Romeo is the greatest defender. Um, I think he's got the tools to be, but. We talked about Neesmith briefly in comparison to Romeo. Josh, you said he plays a different position. Not sure if I agree with that. But uh, how did, Mike, how did you see Neesmith I think, playing I think in Josh this game? Said, said they play a different style, which oh, I agree with. Yeah, I agree with um, that. Yeah. Neesmith, I mean. I, like honestly, Romeo and Neesmith looked exactly like Romeo and Neesmith. Yeah. Like ex- exactly how they looked um, last year. I didn't see any noticeable uptick. I, I mean, <laughs> this is a different conversation. Okay, if we get into the overreactions, like neither of these guys look like they're going to be overwhelmingly good NBA players. I think they could both be like, you know, um, I don't fifth to eighth men on a, on a really good team potentially, like, or like if they progress, but neither of them look really like they're on an all-star trajectory. It's, it's very early in their careers. If anything, you give Neesmith an extra bump because of how well he came on after a really poor start that had me calling him a bust after like a month. Um, but you know, Neesmith is athletic. I thought he looked bigger than he was, but I guess that's just because everybody on the court was so small. Yeah. Um, yeah. He didn't shoot very well. He's, he's still very athletic. He made a couple of kind of boneheaded plays, including, you know, picked up some offensive fouls, um, but he also crashed the board. You know, he's, he's who he is. <laughs> he's the same guy. I think he looked a little bit more kind of comfortable, and I think we saw a lot of that coming on at the end of the game so can't over read too much into this but um yeah i think i think they're both interesting but flawed players 
Uh, and it also stings that today Desmond Bain scored 32 points for Memphis in their summer league game, shooting six for eight from three. Um, and, box score yeah, Mike. Box score Mike. See, so, you like that one. Here's the thing. Guy. Oh, Desmond Bain's a killer, man. We should have taken him. But you, yeah, Romeo you've been saying that Smith, since that the, draft. Like since before they uh, the, the, they traded that yeah, pick. He was you on, he you was were saying we should pick him. Yeah. Um, Neesmith and, and Romeo, I think the deciding factor for me is who's going to develop their offense more first. Like Romeo scored 3,000 points in high school. Like that dude is a scorer. And all of a sudden in the NBA, he's not as confident scoring the ball. And, and he's just seen as kind of a driver and a finisher. Um, so if he can develop his offense, I think that that's, that's kind of what I'm looking for for Romeo. Um, and for Neesmith too, I think that he's got the IQ to be able to to drive and come to a stop and, and find some guys and be a facilitator in his future. Um, and, and if he can, you know, put that together a little bit earlier, this is a team that needs offense. Last year's team needed offense. And again, if we're not going to resign Fournier, you know, these guys need to step up. The, the thing that worries me a little bit with Romeo is he doesn't seem to like kind of have a, have an inner killer to him. Like it seems like he's just a super chill dude. Um, which means he's probably awesome to hang out with, but I, I do worry about, especially on a team, uh, on a team with, where you've got like two guys that think they're the guy, right? I mean, you got Tatum, you got Brown. They're obviously like one and two on the team to be able to cultivate your offense in that system. You have to have a bit of an aggressive mindset. I think Neesmith has a better chance of developing that based on what we've seen. I just think he's got kind of more of that more of that kind of like dog mentality to him. Um, but we'll see. I mean, as you said, uh, Romeo was obviously an elite scorer at the high school level. Peyton Pritchard, I think played the best out of anybody. Uh, there was some talk that he should be running pick and roll more effectively, but I thought he, he played his game. He let the game come to him. He set up other teammates. He hit some shots. Uh, I, I was happy enough with that performance. Yeah. Payton's great. Yeah. Love Payton. Um, Breaking news, by the way. So one of the reasons that he wasn't running the pick and roll is because the bigs were so atrocious, would be my hunch. Mm. Uh, But while recording, hot off the Twitter presses, uh, per the Celtics, Bruno Fernando will be joining the Celtics Summer League team for the rest of the the Summer League. So they'll have a NBA-ish caliber big man on their on their roster which should should be good news for everyone involved so oh my god i can't wait for overreactions to bruno fernando this guy is gonna throw dunks down fans are gonna love this guy he's really athletic he's got a chiseled frame and he's he dunks the crap out of the ball um and he really is not a good basketball player so he's gonna play (laughs) really well in summer league i think Uh, he's gonna flash josh any comments on pritchard um, yeah, I'm out here in Oregon and anytime I tell somebody out here that I'm, and I'm, and I'm like three hours away from Portland. So anytime I tell somebody that I'm a Boston Celtics guy, everybody brings up Peyton Pritchard, you know, from Portland, Oregon, and everybody's pulling for Portland for Pritchard out here in Oregon. Um, and so it's always good to have conversations about the Celtics with Oregonians, uh, just through Peyton. So thank you, Peyton, for that. Um, I, I haven't seen any improvement yet. Um, and I'm and part of it is like, he's the shooting guard out there. Like, like yeah. Yamadar is handling it or, you know, or Carson's got it or he's, he's just out of his position kind of. Um, I just, it's great that he can continue to hit long, long three pointers. That's what we're going to need from him. He played yeah. more point guard in this game. He, he and Madar did not play a ton together in this game. But, I mean, Peyton Pritchard, you, if he's on the court, you don't want him being anything other than the primary ball handler. I, I mean, ideally. Yeah. Or you want him yeah. next to, you want him next to, like, an elite playmaking wing, which the Celtics currently don't have any of. Um, we, we can hope that one of the Jays uh, develops there, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, but he, I mean, I think he's, like, basically projects to be Matthew Delavadova with like legit deep three point range. Like, or that's the best case scenario for him. 
Yeah, I like, TJ, or, I, I like the TJ. I like the TJ. I mean, let's continue. TJ McConnell is like a real good playmaker. That's a thing. Like yeah, TJ has got. Like he, he just made money too. He's like making nine mil a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I mean he's the other guy. I want handlers like that. Yeah, I don't. Uh, TJ is quicker than Peyton, and which is why I went with Delavadova because I, I think they're both whatever. It, I mean, these are marginal. <laughs> they're roster guys. They're they're yeah. valuable guys on on playoff teams, but you know that that's kind of the lane for Pritchard, and I think he'll be very good in that lane. I think Peyton Pritchard can be better than both of those guys, but I think I think it's all about confidence with him, and it's about his willingness to be assertive and to to um, take a larger role over time. I, and I think that's the case I, I, for a lot of players. Like I think that's that's true for Neesmith and and Langford also. It's about like how can you play your role so well that you that you you the team needs you to step up more, or when there are opportunities to step up more, you grab it. And so much of that has to do with confidence. That's interesting because with Pritchard, I mean, both from what I've seen, but and just as much, if not more, from everything I've like read and about him or heard said about him, I don't think confidence is really an issue with him at all. And I, and I haven't really seen that on the court. I, I think there are just times when he just doesn't have like elite enough quickness to kind of get to his spots on offense to to make the types of plays he would want to make. I think, I think he's a little bit limited by his athleticism. But yes. I think the confidence is there, which is why he's takes the shots like from the logo and he makes them like, I, I, and I think he's ready and comfortable being kind of the guy when called upon. So I, yeah. His athleticism I, I, is certainly a, and, and size is certainly a limiting factor, but I think that the, it's the more comfortable he gets, the more the game slows down, he can find his spots and take advantage of them. Maybe. Yeah. For sure. All right. Uh, Juhan Begarin? Begarin? Uh, am I pronouncing yeah, full, it right? Uh, full disclosure, I wanted to say him earlier, but I was too afraid to say his name. Yeah. I think it's like Bergeron. Begarin. Juhan Begarin. Yeah, Begarin. Um, Begarin. Let's just Begarin. mumble it. Uh, Mike, he looked bigger yeah. to me than uh, than I assumed, and uh, I was impressed enough with him to that it – I think his request to play summer league was totally justified. I don't think he'll make the roster, but I like what I'm seeing so far for a fringe second round pick. He looked bigger in not all the right ways to me than I expected. Like he looked a little heftier than I realized. Um, He looks like he could benefit from leaning out a little bit, Hmm. Um, but not in like, I mean, he didn't look like, again, you referred to uh, Bagley earlier. Uh, he, He didn't look like that, but um, I mean, he made a really nice defensive play uh, at the end of the game to to seal the game. He made a couple of threes from the corner. Um, he was generally in pretty good defensive position, uh, though there were a couple of times that it felt like he didn't quite beat his guy to the spot. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. For a marginal second round pick, he you could see why the Celtics stuck a flyer on him for sure, and and how like a year of seasoning and conditioning could could really. Uh, position him to maybe legitimately compete for a spot, which is really all you can hope for from a guy picked like that. Josh, you feel confident about pronouncing his name. Do you feel confident about uh, assessing his impact on the court? No, not yet. But I do. I do think that he belonged out there in the summer league. Like, I wasn't sure about that coming in, but you know that was proven. He he's just like. He reminds me of like the gripe I have right now of the roster construction. Like I want my wings to be bigger, and the Celtics keep getting these six four, six five, six six wings, and smaller point guards. Like I'm, I'm, he's like it reminds me of that right now. So that, he's got to play a little bit better in order to get out of that scenario in my mind. That segues into a question I had for you because watch it. One of yeah. my other takeaways from yesterday from watching the game. Um, was you know Jalen Jalen Johnson, who was a really highly touted prospect, but slipped to what I think the twentieth pick for Atlanta. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. I he I was had him as one he of was sleepers. He was really springy, pretty 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 darn lively out there. Did uh did those those uh highlights, Josh, make you uh just just pick up the scab that may maybe had started healing. From from the Celtics uh, trading away their mid round, mid first round 
draft pick this season? This is the I know, deepest. I know draft you were. I know you were devastated about that. This is the deepest draft in the last ten years. Wow. I was, I'm still devastated that we gave up our our 16th pick. There were several guys available I would have taken there. I'll save it for another pod. What about Sharif Cooper? Emotional. Sharif Cooper um, was there when we picked Bejerin. No, uh, and uh, I like uh, no. He looks good. No, I mean, another, you don't want another. Guards. You don't want another undersized point guard. <laughs> I'm, I'm no, with no, Josh. I, I do like him. No more small. Point I do guard. like him. Um, I don't. I don't want him on the Celtics. I would have picked him there potentially. There were a couple other guys I would have taken, um, but there, I think that him landing in Atlanta and be tra- being Trey Young's backup to me is like the perfect thing that I would want to see for him. He's, and, he's like, signed a two-way contract. He's he's on a two-way yeah. contract too. Yeah, I think he's got so much savvy. He just can't shoot a lick, and I I don't want to take that player on the Celtics. Anybody else from the summer league roster worth talking about? Yeah, I like Sam Hauser. I'm a I'm a low key Sam Hauser yeah. stand. Yeah, that's all I need to say about it though. But that, he can shoot. He can't move. Yeah, and there's your Sam Hauser scouting report. He can shoot. He can't move. Yep. That's it. Period. Yeah. Save him for the end. Josh, do you have any thoughts on uh, uh, the big man? What's his name? Bruno Fernando. Yeah, I liked Bruno coming out of Maryland as like a second rounder. He was one of my second round sleepers that I like to like pick out each year. Um, you know, I, I think he's better than your assessment, Adam. I think that he can rebound. I think that he can block some shots. I think like as a rim protector, rim runner, dunker kind of guy, like he's someone who brings a little bit of toughness more than like bounciness. Like he's not mm-hmm. jumping over anybody, but he will try to dunk through people. And so I like, think, I think he is bouncy. There. He's young. I think he I is bouncy. Think he's that bouncy. Yeah. He's just six, nine. I mean, it's he's not like uh, Robert Williams bouncy, but yeah, now for for he he doesn't have elite NBA athleticism. He's just you know I think an average athlete at this level. But is he um, Tristan Thompson bouncy? But there's some tools there. There's some tools there, and he's young. He is Tristan Thompson bouncy. Yeah. All right. He's well, vet bouncy. Bruno Fernando comes to this team. The Tristan Thompson deal is finalized. Uh, so uh, we got Bruno. We got Chris Dunn. Um, and, Josh, we didn't we potted without you last time. Mike and I talked about the deals in this offseason and and I held back a little bit because I wanted to see what else was going to happen. Uh there's still maybe something happening. The the team could use their one of their mid-level exception, either the the taxpayer or non-taxpayer. Uh they could assign another vet minimum guy. They could bring Dennis Schroeder in. We'll talk about that. Um but uh, it seems like the offseason is mostly done at this point with the Kemba for Horford deal, the Tristan Thompson deal, and the Josh Richardson deal. And, and Josh, I just wanted to, to get your general thoughts about how you feel about this team now, this offseason at this point, uh, versus what you were hoping they would do. Uh, how do you feel about the trajectory where this team is going of trying to increase cap space and, and flexibility for next year? Yeah, Um this is one of those situations where I have to lean to trust a little bit because of my limited knowledge of the cap. Like if we get Brad Beal next year. Okay. I guess it's all worth it, but I'm a little disappointed. Like if you're not going to sign Evan Fournier, I think that you can expect that we're going to take a step back this year. And I feel like we kind of took a step back last year. And like every, every year that we've gone from, like a little bit lower in talent from Kyrie to Kemba from, um, you know, having some extra guys on the roster to, to not having them like Marcus Morris and uh, Terry Rozier, like who were extremely helpful in, in situations and, and to keep the, us going. Like, and then you go from Gordon Hayward down to Fournier and then you go from Fournier down to nothing. And I'm just kind of like, I'm a little disappointed with that. And I'm and and now I guess I just have to wait a whole year and a half to see if it's going to be worth it, right? Um so I'm I'm like trying to suspend my disappointment. It's a it's a little bit of an awkward emotion. Uh I I think if we re-sign Smart, that's extremely important. I think if you if you lose Smart or if you choose to move away from him, that's a huge mistake. Um I'm one of those people who 
I'm a little bit afraid of seeing what this team would look like with Bradley Beal, the two J's, and like nobody else on the roster. Which is what it would be, um, basically. I know. I know. So uh, I'm like, okay, that sounds great, but can we have a little bit of depth going into that? Like what, you know, this isn't the well, Lakers. No. And, and that's well, the you, big you thing can't... for me. I was but just gonna I say. I was right. just gonna say they'd have to go the Laker route of signing free agents that way. Minimum guys well, who are better than that I, would have to come here. I let me let me touch yeah, on this Laker ahead. thing because I think this is the important piece here. We're not the Lakers. We're not able to just sit back and wait for people to come to us. You, you can't do that in Boston. People don't want to come to Boston like that. They so did for KG's team. To, yeah, you you have you, ha- that you have to have the elite. You expected. have to have the elite talent, and and so I'll. I, I, KG's I, more than yeah. that, though. KG's more than just elite talent. KG is like bulldog culture setter, like top no, two you're right. personalities. Exactly. So and yeah. we don't have that, and, and we can expect we to never have that again. And Bill Russell was that, let's be honest. Like, that's like... And Bird, Bird was you that. Know? So, yeah, exactly, yes. We've had that before, but we can't expect that. The way Boston is, compared, like, compared to what LA is, you know, and that's why it's so important to hit draft picks and to keep draft picks because we're not LA. LA can give up their draft pick every year. It's remarkable. They don't need them because they'll get free agents. They'll get you know people buy on buyouts. We have to keep our draft picks. And so overall, like because of the 16th pick, because of Fournier, I'm just feeling a little bit disappointed right now. Obviously, Tatum is going to take a step up. He showed that this Olympic experience always proves that that players do better afterwards so like shoot if he keeps throwing 50 pieces on the board i'm gonna have to eat my words and i'll and i'll happily do so but now we're really relying on those two guys the jays and then marcus smart he has to be that third guy which we all know how uncomfortable that makes us when he has to you know it's forced into a position that yeah i'll I'll stop rambling (laughs) mike you were gonna say something Lord knows what it was now. Um, <laughs> well, listen, it was about the Lakers. I, I mean, Josh. No, you... it wasn't about the Lakers. Uh, oh, I think it was just I was going to agree about about like so the Celtics can attract minimum guys, but they have to have a team that's compelling to go to. Um, and we had that with KG, as Adam said. Um, but it just all hinges on Tatum. Like our entire pathway to success whether it's it's uh, through getting you know landing a max free agent next off season, which we'll, uh, you know we're going to talk about the Mar- Marcus Smart extension rumors uh, shortly, so I'll I'll save some of my thoughts there uh, on Mike, that. But if yeah. if there's a marginally improved Tatum and Brown and a healthy Beal next year on this team, and and we'll call we'll say that's it, or maybe you have a one minimum guy, or like the cap holds for Robert Williams, and you can re-sign him. Do you think that's enough to attract those those minimum rotation players? Um, if it's truly marginally improved, I'm not I'm not convinced. No, um, is there? But I also think there's a potential that the improvement could be more than marginal. Um, I also think, and and I guess because you asked that, I'll, I'll start going into some of the mechanics. Um, but so the Marcus Smart trade or uh, not trade, but contract extension rumors are really interesting because if the Celtics sign Smart to an extension, it basically means we cannot uh, sign Bradley Beal to a max deal outright next offseason. Unless they trade Smart. Unless they trade Smart and take right. no no don't take back any salary, but. Yes, correct. Um, so that's really that's the interesting I, piece. So I, I mean, I, well, I've been frust- I, I've been frustrated with this ownership group starting a while ago, and I brought it up for the first time on the last podcast, um, and I brought it up as questions previously about will this ownership group pay the luxury tax? They've always said they would. Uh, last podcast, I said, we need to start questioning that. We need to start looking at them and holding them accountable because it doesn't look like they are. I agree with a lot of the things that Josh just said. And there's basically a couple routes here. Uh, the one that they are choosing is to improve the team by getting worse this year 
so that they have more cap space so that they can go big fish hunting sign basically Bradley Beal. Um, and if that doesn't happen, then you got worse this year and you don't have the same pathway to improvement uh, that, that, that they were planning for, basically. I mean, I don't see this as any of, anything else other than uh, a planning for Bradley Beal. Um, because if they are not expecting Bradley Beal, then they're planning to save money. And I'm not okay with that. That's the only other way that I can see this. The other path to success, and, and that may be a very reasonable path to success. They may know, have information that I don't have about Bradley Beal's potential for coming here um, or somebody else on the free agency market that they really like, which has dried up considerably uh, after this offseason. The other pathway to success is marginal improvement every year, signing players, trying to trade those players. And you don't trade for Evan Fournier without trying to re-sign him. I understand that that was a lot of money for him. Um, I still would have re-signed him and paid a luxury tax bill. I would have gotten Josh Richardson too. I would have traded Tristan away uh, because I'd rather have those guys than Thompson. I, so but, can you but, explain this to me, Adam? Yeah, I, so I, I, wait, 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 I just really quick question, specific. Let's say we have the exact same team based on what you just said and add Evan Fournier. Yeah. What do you think this team's ceiling is against the rest of the Eastern Conference? I think that How much they, does it change? It, it changes the from them being like a seventh seed, which is what they currently are. So from being mm-hmm. in the play-in tournament for the playoffs to being maybe a, a fourth or fifth seed being in the playoffs. And you, and would, pay, co- hold on. you would pay $30 hold on. million dollars for that? And, and competing for the uh, the Eastern Conference um, uh, the finals. Semifinals? <laughs> no, no, Eastern Conference finals. Uh, Absolutely. I, I think we're know. a third-place team with Evan Fournier. Uh, uh, okay. You guys just rate our team way better than I do. That That's the difference. I think Fournier is a good player. I, I like I, the Al Horford I, I, he, fit better than Kemba. I, I don't. I, I honestly don't like losing Kemba, but um, it's I not like the end of the world. Kemba. I like the idea of having Marcus Smart as a as our point guard uh, and running the offense through other players. I like the idea of having a, a bigger team, more switchable team. I, I think they're a better defensive team. But the loss of any Evan Fournier is bigger than I think people realize. He's a good player, and I don't think yeah. that twenty million now is you, crazy. I, I think it was an overpay, but that's free agency. Yeah, that's how it goes. And Josh Richardson is not a starter. He's, you know, he it puts Smart and and Richardson in their kind of places. It put, uh, creates a bidding war between Neesmith and Romeo, so that we don't have to play both. Now we got to play both, whether they're really good or not. Now, like if you've got Fournier, there both of them are scraping for playing time, and and one of them is going to sneak through. And that's kind of how you want. You want a more competitive roster. Um, he also brings playmaking with size. He's six seven and can see the floor and is one of the guys that did what Gordon Hayward did so well, which is like run offense against zones and be able to make smart plays and not no, overthink I, things too much. Just make the right play. He was huge for us. And he only played 16 games. Yeah, so he wasn't huge for us. He was okay. Um, Gordon Hayward was huge for us, but you know, Gordon Hayward could also play defense, which Fournier could not. And in the playoffs, Fournier was picked on. Yeah. I disagree with that. I also. disagree. Okay, I, <laughs> you, Mike, you, you don't show me any evidence of Evan Fournier ever being a decent defensive player. I'll he play. is a decent defensive player. No, he's he's truly not. He's a very bad defensive player. Mike, Always you you asked the question. You uh, would I pay thirty million dollars? This ownership group is basically saying, uh, get a top five player in the NBA and uh, and and three all stars or two additional supporting all stars, and then we'll pay the luxury tax. That's what they're saying. If they're saying we'll pay for a, a contend, a real contender, a championship level team. Why do you say that? Because that's what you need to win a championship in the NBA. And so they're basically saying we're not going to pay the luxury tax for a team that's a level below that, which I think is where this team has been. If you, you've got Tatum and I just, Brown, I, this is the opportunity to pay to yeah. improve to get to the place where you can then have those best players. But you have to pay to get there. You can't just wait until that happens. Like the Danny Ainge KG trade, those things, the, the Kevin Durant to Golden State, uh, getting uh, drafting a LeBron James, those things don't happen often enough for an ownership group to say we're only going to pay the luxury tax when that happens. Especially a team that is a, an ownership group that is as wealthy as, as this one is, given the amount of that this team has increased in value since they bought it. 
So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm I don't, frustrated I don't, by Beach, that. I, I can tell. Beach. I just don't, I really don't understand it. I think, I think everything you guys are saying is bad management. It, it, none of it makes sense to me at all. Like if I, I said this last week, if I was owning the team, this is exactly what I would do. So the exactly. question, the so, question yeah, so, around management I, is, is about whether the, the contracts that you sign are tradable. So, like, if you sign Evan Fournier to a twenty million a year for three, was it three years and a team option? I think it's not just if they're tradable; it's if they're tradable in a way that, like, because that was what Ainge was doing. But eventually, right. you start either you get into a, a place where you you are overvaluing the player that you you have relative to the, what the market is telling you, and so you're not letting them go, or you are getting dollar. You're so if you're signing bad contracts, nickels on the dollar, yeah. if you're signing them to bad contracts. So it's not just about, yes, sure, every contract's tradable, but you also deplete assets this way. No, I think I, what the team is doing... When I say is, tradable, I mean that you're not throwing a first-round pick to get off of Kemba Walker, or you're not throwing a second-round pick, or, or right. a late first to get off of Ennis Cantor, or you're not throwing another late first-round pick to get off of uh, yeah, Aaron but Bates. Those, those all happened before this offseason. There's nothing we can right. do about that anymore. So, they were all bad moves. That was documented at the time so but what i'm what i'm saying is is if you you have to know what the marketplace is so and i don't have enough information on that but for for marcus smart for example you have to assume that the deal that they extended offered to him uh that they know based on uh trade discussions that if they needed to get off of his contract next year because they can sign bradley beal that they know that they can without giving much up right you have to assume that right mike that they know that they can get Beal without giving... No, I don't no, think they know anything that about that they know that they can get off of Marcus Smart at, oh. at the contract that he would re-sign for without giving up assets. Or else, why um, are you signing yeah, Marcus? That someone else... That someone else... Well, want to I, so I, think, I think it's interesting to sign Marcus regardless because I mean, they, they probably have a sense that he has some value around the league. Um, like that value is dynamic. However, if he has a great year, that value will become even, you know, the market for him will become greater. If he has a terrible year, the market will cool. So it's not like taking the, you have to take the temperature now. They probably have some sense now, but that, that doesn't mean that information remains <laughs> useful in a year or six months at the trade deadline, whenever, you know, whenever it needs to get revisited. Um, but it, it's also interesting to me because there was an opportunity, or there is still currently an opportunity for the Celtics to play next offseason by introducing kind of the threat of um, of max space, max cap space, or sufficient cap space to sign mm-hmm. Beal outright mm-hmm. uh, without mm-hmm. yet renouncing all of their whole cap holds. And, and using that threat to leverage um, Washington into a sign-in trade hmm. in a way that lets them keep more assets. Mm-hmm. And and I think if they sign smart to an extension, then they kind of lose that path. It's not a, necessarily a high probability play, and they're probably debating this <laughs> or have debated this, um, but it is a play. Um, I also think they... There are other paths. I mean, there's a looming potential that someone like Carl uh, Anthony Towns could become disenfranchised with where he currently is. I don't think the Celtics are in pole position to trade for him, uh, but a, a whole heck of a lot. And this is another reason I think trading Fournier is worthwhile because Fournier, here's the other thing with Fournier is he is not, and this we talked about this last week, Adam, he is not going to move the needle in a deal, right? He's only going to be in a deal for salary matching purposes no no gm is going to go to their owner and be like yeah we gave up dame but we got fournier so we're okay right it's a, it's going to be about the draft right. picks that come with fournier right. and and young prospects right, right. so, we, so we whether you sign of. fournier it's not like so what we need we don't have enough of which means we really need to maximize the playing time and development of neesmith and romeo and so not re-signing fournier gives them much more opportunity to grow it also gives more, uh, just as much bust potential as boom potential, but it's the only way we have the best chance we have to kind of try to maximize their value as potential trade chips in a year from now. 
Yeah. So I, and I, the I think there's a lot of reason not to, not to keep Fournier. And and the rookie this year with the, that we took with the 16th pick would be like ideal for that scenario too, you know? Yeah, Jalen um, Johnson looks it, really good. So we could turn him or Oh, yeah, wait, so wait, wait, wait. Jalen Johnson, he was the guy that I would have picked. I had a premonition that he was going to slip to 16, and look, he did. But even if he didn't, like Trey Murphy was available at 6'9". Kai Jones is looking really good in summer league at six eleven. Have you seen? Did you see the dunk that that guy had? He had one of those Blake Griffin dunks where he was so far away from the hoop when he jumped that he had to throw it in. I mean, like, there's size. Like, this is another gripe I have about the team, right? The roster construction. We're getting all these wings that are smaller than Tatum and Brown, and that you know. My ideal is for Tatum to play the three and Brown to play the two and Marcus Smart to be the point guard. And you've got some longer wing at the four next to Tatum. Tatum should not be your longest, strongest wing. He Just like when you know, you had like Pau Gasol or Kevin Garnett, you would always have a bigger, bulkier guy next to them to do more of the brute work stuff. I mean, that's what Jalen Johnson well, is. And then he can play the small for... ball fives. Like, so... So there, there was this draft was loaded with long perimeter wing players, um, you know, leading with Scotty Barnes. And that's something that I'm, I'm still waiting for the Celtics to understand that, like, that's how to maximize Tatum, in my opinion. Um, are, even if that guy you, can't shoot. Are you what? ready for the uh, starting lineup of Robert Williams, Al Horford, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart? I'm also one of the guys who doesn't really think that Horford's going to be as great as he was the last time we were here. He's definitely lost a step, you know, like all of these moves are kind of like, but I think really, I think you you bringing up Gasol is actually instructive. Like, I think that's like late, later career Gasol is kind of a, a, a useful barometer for what we should look for from Horford. Like he's still going to be a high intelligence, strong defensive anchor that will be in the right position pretty much all the time. He's a better shooter than Gasol. Um, like, you know, he, he's not as dynamic a passer offensively, but I think they're they're They have some similarities. And I think Gasol still made even, even in short stints and against the right opponents, he still makes his team better when he's on the court for the, for the Lakers as recently as last year. But a few years ago, like he was still a real significant, um, player for the Grizzlies. Like I, I think I think Horford will still be better with Horford on the court even though Horford has lost a step. Or three. So here's here's my question to you guys that outlines all of this, I think. <laughs> who do you want to be the Celtics third leading scorer next year? Like who would you feel the best about if it if you know would you want Neesmith to be the third leading scorer? Right. Horford? Who are we hoping steps up? Horford. A hundred percent that's my answer. Because that means that he's still got enough left in the tank. And so, do you feel kind of? I think, I think uh, it's going to be Williams. With that? I, think, I think Robert Williams. Whoa! I think you think, I think he's w- going to play enough and play enough minutes for that. Well, so I think I think Smart and Horford are both going to average like ten to thirteen points a game. So I'm I'm hopeful that Williams can play enough, like twenty six minutes a game. And get you know just average like seven dunks a game, <laughs> like fourteen points, nice clean fourteen. So all of these, all of these sentences are. No, scary that's a great. Me. It's a great man. Question, we really Josh. need Josh, Al Horford great, to, to become the third leading question. question. Man, we really need Marcus Smart to step up this game and get some scoring done. Like all of the these first, sentences. The first the person that came in my head was Neesmith. Uh, but I, but yeah. I don't know that he's going to actually score enough. But I, like, I under, I don't disagree with either of you about the role and the value of the role that Fournier could play. Um, I think, I think you're overstating how much it could have affected our our ceiling. Actually, I agree with what you said, Adam. I thought it might move us from like seventh or eighth seed to fifth seed, and I just don't think that is all that significant an increase. Um, so, and I think, I think Neesmith of our current roster kind of has the best chance to fit into that role. And it's a role we need. I agree with you, Josh, that it was, ideally we'd get a bigger wing somehow. I don't know. Maybe the Spurs want to trade Thad Young <laughs> now that they got him. I don't know why they would, but one can hope. Um, little Josh Richardson for Thad Young swap. 
Um, I bet. Guys, we I bet really Josh need Richardson Josh Richardson to score this game. Uh, we really uh, need Josh Richardson <laughs> to step up this game. I think we can win if Josh yeah. Richardson can score twenty. If he can, if he can shoot forty percent from three, <laughs> we have a shot. So I, the question, so the thing I thought to me, about, that, that's and, what the Celtics are this year. Yeah. My thought in response to that question, as I was considering the question, I was thinking, do I want to say Dennis Schroeder? Do I want to say that I think (laughs) Dennis Schroeder will be the the third leading scorer on this team? Because if Dennis Schroeder is on this team, I definitely think he's going to be the third leading scorer. Uh, Dennis turned down 84 million four years with the Lakers. And uh, the game, uh, the, the, this round of musical chairs has ended and everybody else is sitting in a chair and Dennis is standing looking around. And uh, it sounds like he's looking at maybe mid-level exceptions, if that, uh, with a couple of teams. But there's a rumor that the Celtics have interest and that he has interest. Uh, there is a, a role here. In a, I would, yeah, I mean, it's, so it, it better be a one-year, given the strategy that this front office well, is taking. But Can we get a little, a little cap, cap nerdy? Yeah, that? are you, you going to say that if it's a sign-in trade, it's got to be three years? If it's well, oh, no, if it's here. the MLB, if it's a sign, if it's a sign, sign and trade, it's got to be three years, but you can make it so only the first year is guaranteed and the uh, the next two years are fully non guaranteed. I wondered about that. There's no way Dennis Schroeder is signing that deal, though. Well, I mean, right? it's not like he's staring at a whole lot of great deals, to but he's gonna from. he's gonna give the team team options for those. The, for it's not team options, in- it's not oh. team options, it's non guaranteed deals. Oh, okay. So if you turn it differently, if you turn it down the the second year, then you don't have the option for the third. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm curious what you guys think of him. He's he's uh, does not have a good reputation around the league. It does not sound like other players like playing with him. He's certainly ball dominant and looks for his own stuff, his own stats specifically. I I am yeah, he's totally menace. I, I'm <laughs> I'm totally fine with him on a one-year effect effectively a one-year flyer that keeps our cap sheet clean that doesn't put us into the luxury tax um i don't think he's a good fit like personality wise or or play style wise next to uh tatum or brown he's he's not like an ideal fit because he's ball dominant uh he thinks he's better than he is he's not a great shooter um so he's really not the type of guy you know when Brad Stevens came out and said like their off season strategy was basically putting guys around the Jays that are going to maximize the Jays. Dennis Schroeder is not a guy that's going to maximize the Jays. Um, so it's not great, but I think all the points that you guys have made about the, the Celtics offense and how scared we should be about it. It's going to be a brick fest. Our offense, it's going to be a brick fest every game we play because our offense is going to stink. And our defense is like between Marcus smart, Josh Richardson and Chris Dunn, we're going to have three ball hawking guys that, that can't shoot the ball. <laughs> like Marcus Smart is by far the best shooter of those three, which is terrifying. Um, so I understand the appeal oh, of, yeah. of a guy like Schroeder with some offensive prowess. I, I don't think he's a great fit, but I would do it on a one-year, basically low-cost flyer. I would not, do it I'm too. not excited about that... it, but I'd do it. Yeah, he's he's exactly what you're looking for when you're in this situation that that we are in currently. When you're waiting for Bradley Beal next year, you have to get some guys in here who can put the ball in the hoop. So we got freaking Jabari Parker out there. Guys, if he scores 16 points, I think that we can win this game. Um, I would do Dennis Schroeder for one year. Easy. But in all seriousness, why would you do Dennis Schroeder when you could get IT? 81 points in, the, in a pro-am I game. I know. Can we just get IT? Like, it would make everyone in the city of Boston so happy. He's got a new hip. Like, are you serious, though? I mean, I, Dennis Schroeder is obviously a better NBA player from a, like, on-court talent right now, but I would, I would genuinely rather assign IT than Dennis Schroeder. That is serious, yes. And, and you'd rather, you think that, do you think IT would in, impact winning? I don't think either of them would impact winning a whole heck of a lot. To be Josh, honest. I, I, I think Dennis fix the karma. So I just he would totally fix the karma. Yeah. So I don't think <laughs> I don't think Evan Fournier. Okay, let let's do a quick exercise. Do you think Evan Fournier or Dennis Schroeder has a bigger impact on the Celtics winning next season? Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier. Agreed. I thought the most that Evan Fournier could in, increase our ceiling was get us from like eighth 
or seventh or eighth seed to fifth seed. So Dennis Schroeder is doing less than that. Yep. So if we're going from eighth seed to maybe sixth seed versus eighth seed to eighth seed, but we get IT, I would take the second one every time. Wow. And that's the argument I make to management. And you get a better draft pick that way, Mike. More, more trade assets. Wow. That's true. There okay, you go. hold on. Before we... Box. Let me let me say something about Dennis Schroeder. I, I Mike, I think we, you and I talked about him uh, off of offline, and and I was kind of excited about it uh, as a one year flyer. At, at this point, I wonder. I don't think I'd pay more than. I don't know if I'd pay more than the minimum for him. How much would you pay him? The non taxpayer MLE is ten million, right? Correct. I would pay Ish. him. Yeah. I would pay him the max amount I could without going into the tax. Which right now is like a like million dollars. Like what? Yeah, right now it's not much, but I would be I would be happy to try to do a sign and trade that somehow got us off. Like Carson, I'd be also willing to get off of Grant. And does but then you're hard capping us, and is that is that an issue this year? No, because we're yeah. not going to the cap. Like yeah. we're not going to the luxury tax. So I mean, the only reason hard tax would be an issue is I get it. it I suppose actually, I suppose theoretically, a hard tax could be hard cap. Uh, hard cap could be an issue if. For whatever reason, to trade the, for wi- the Wizards implode, yeah, and and we want to trade for Beal at the deadline. So, so we currently have fifteen players but it on contract. Still isn't, to be honest, we have fifteen players on contract. One of them is non guaranteed uh, in in um, Jabari Parker, and his he's got some great guarantees. He's got a, like at late in a week or so, he's guaranteed a hundred thousand dollars, and then he's got like a million and a half. Uh, in October, and then in December or January, he's got the remainder, uh, remaining million and a half or something like that of his uh, his contract. So we can cut him at various points and save money, which is interesting, the way that that was structured last year when they signed him. Um, so that, you can consider that moot. We'll, we'll like hit him on the roster. That's, that's the option for the team. But you then have three players on this team that, in my opinion, I don't want taking up roster spots, but they have guaranteed contracts in Bruno Fernando, Chris Dunn, and Carson Edwards. And those are not players that you can trade without giving some something of value up. Nobody wants those players. Um, so those are potentially blocking people like if you wanted to sign an IT or if you wanted to give Yamadar a full roster spot or if you and you wanted to keep Jabari Parker. And it sounds like the team wants to try and find a way to, to keep him on the team. Certainly yeah, need the scoring. That. Um, so I'm curious, um, like, what you guys think about re- how we resolve that, or whether you like those players. Like, we haven't talked at all about Chris Dunn. I'm actually, I don't I like mean, him. That's, we I'm, I'm talk curious. About him. I'm curious about Chris Dunn. I, I, he actually had some pretty good stretches um, in his last season in Chicago. Uh, he didn't play much last year in Atlanta. He he was hurt most of the season. Um, he's not going to be a great player, but. If he, I mean, he was like a total, total, he was a terrible player for his first, I don't know, I think he's going into his fifth or sixth year now. Uh, his first two or three years in Chicago, he was he was a total dud. Um, but then towards the very end of that rookie deal, he started to actually uh, look like an NBA player. So I'm intrigued. And I believe he only has one year left. So I'm okay with us holding him and, and seeing if he can round out into a regular uh, rotation contributor. He's a good um, defender. Carson Edwards, only, I'm clearly... When healthy, yeah. he's a really good defender. Guys, he, he's a good defender on the point of attack. Um, and getting in passing and that's lanes. that's about it. Yeah, he'll do that. Um, he can't shoot. Nope. He can't facilitate. Nope. He can dribble and defend, and that's it. Yep. Um, and to me, that's a player you don't want on the court. I think, Mike, you said it. The key value for him on this roster is the fact that he expires next year. That's it. He's washed up even at his young age. Uh, I'm really down on on Chris Dunn. And I followed him at at Providence. I followed him coming out of the draft. So, you know, this is someone I've I've been into in the past. But no, no more. Uh, Can I interest you guys in some Rajon Rondo? What do you mean? No. No. I'd ra- I'd rather yes or no. Uh, has has he not signed with another team? No, I think he's still out there. <sighs> yes or no, Adam? Gun to your head. 
Yeah. I'm a yes. Yeah, oh. definitely. I Would want to go, improve this Rondo team. I want, I, look, if you don't IT. improve this team, if I'm Jason yes. Tatum, if I'm Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, I'm going to the ownership and I'm being like, "What are you guys doing? What is happening here? What is the plan?" Like, I I have trouble buying in. And so, yeah, yeah. you got it. So I would do that even if I'm improve Jason. the team. Yeah, I'd go to management about this, even if I'm Jason Statham. Well, then you're all right, guys. I got a violence. question. I got, a, I got a question for the listeners as, as we're hopefully wrapping this one up. Um, I'm curious if you know the answer to this question, I want you to tweet at us at Celtics pride pod. Who is the last Celtics player with the first name Bruno before Bruno Fernando winner of that gets a shout out on the next pod. And you know, we got about a thousand listeners. That's not nothing. All right, take that with you. If you listen to this point, and if you're tweeting at us, you are a part of Celtics Pride. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter, Celtics Pride Pod. 